Hi, welcome back to Tent Talks podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Nelson, and we're joined with Kimberly Memma on sound production and editing. Today, we're doing a part two. So last week, we talked about individualism and collective consciousness or systemic approaches and how that has shown up for me. Well, I started with present day with my uh, career choices in doing healing work and how that can be such a loop and a trap for people. But the foundation of that for me started with Christianity and is reinforced with capitalism. How those ideas all propel this ideation or this narrative that the individual will conquer all or will rise above the system and how that's actually false. And that keeps people exhausted. It keeps them busy and it keeps them striving for something that is actually unattainable. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, go ahead and listen to that and catch up on it because we're picking up the conversation. So in today's episode, I want to talk about basically some shadow elements of individualism and some shadow elements of collectivism and and why we might be afraid of either and why even this thinking can really turn people off. So I think the individualistic approach is definitely, there's definitely this like um, saviorism that comes from individualism. This individualism approach can really lead to a lot of suffering because you're going to try so hard for something and you can almost find yourself in OCD loops or in this like place of exhaustion or even just only operating out of self-interest, losing sight of the whole, being so laser focused on a goal that you miss out on the whole larger perspective. And you can lose a lot of years and a lot of time just thinking about individual excellence and individual expansion. Because if we believe in these structures that are very linear focused and they're very up and down, right? You climb a ladder, you climb a corporate ladder, you climb the ladder to heaven, uh, you climb the self-improvement ladder. You just got to wake up every day at 5 a.m. And you've got to, there's like regimens and you can, you can join almost any sort of belief system and hear this, this regimen, which is very linear focused and up and down focused. So when we focus on climbing all of these ladders, we get really self-absorbed and we go on this path of the lone wolf. And that's actually, you know, such a myth that we fall for because wolves are pack animals. And, um, but we, we fall prey to it because we think if we just have to be responsible for ourselves, then certainly we could do it. And I was even talking to a client last week about this concept with even attachment theory, going back to um, a psychology approach, which is like how your attachment has helped us as humans evolve. And so there's this like anxious attachment style 
which often people say is helping with people or groups, tribes stay together because the anxiousness, you're, you're hyper alerted anytime there's a change in the group element or in the relationship because you're doing everything you can to stay together. And then on the other end of that spectrum is the avoidant attachment style where you just need to actually break away from the group leave and that's going to help with survival. And so there's there's even talk about how our very attachment styles to each other come into play here with this collective approach or this individualism approach because there have been times maybe throughout history where being alone did help you survive, but more often and more than not it is through group through collective, through tribe, through community that we have survived. And we are, as a community or as the people that are keeping people oppressed in a community, they're telling the story that it is the individualistic approach that will save you. And we know from history, more than not, that that's actually false. So the other side of that spectrum, of course, is the collective and and groups and community and why we might be avoidant of groups and systems. And it's because of times that we have been in groupthink situations or doing what was best for the community and sacrificing the self and then having that go awry. And and there's also a lot of um, groups that you can be a part of that that take you down a path that you really don't want to go. I was thinking about this a lot with the insurrection. And I think a lot of people that went to the Capitol or that went to the White House that day that were marching, I think maybe they started with this idea and this thought and that it was going to be something different than what it was. And I think the devastation and the letdown of a community or a group-like situation going into destruction together, I think that is so harmful for our psyches that we almost, we lose so much trust and faith in humanity that, again, we go to the individualism, we go to the self because we think safety. I, I can only learn to trust myself right now. Because when I got into this group situation, there was so much manipulation that was happening to me. And in a way, I really felt that way about Mormonism and about religion and about group worship. But I realize stepping away from the group worship from church that The whole point of Mormonism that I left with was that it was an individual journey, that it wasn't about everybody. It was about you and your own salvation at the end of the day and what you need to do as an individual. And it was more isolating. And I see that isolation today as I see not only in my own family, but in other families around me where parents are making the choice between their church and their children. 
and their religion and their family. And it creates this division. And it's very divisive in that way. Even though it happened in a group experience, at the heart of it, it was still an individualistic experience. And how it did that is it kept isolating individuals from other groups. Other groups as the whole, you know, even the world itself. There's a lot of ideology in Mormonism that is like being in the world, but not of the world, and like not having friends and not trusting people who aren't Mormon because you need to just be friends and align yourself with people who share your same values. But over and over, what was being reinforced was actually a very individualistic framework, but it was being disguised as a group think or a, you know, ward family. It was the disguise of that. So then what we're left with is this idea of, okay, I've been harmed in collective spaces. I've been harmed in the individualistic approach. What is the path forward? And this is where a lot of deconstruction comes in because everything that we've been talking about is in the framework of the patriarchy. And if you take out the patriarchy and you go back to community or even to a matriarchal lens or way of existing in the community, it's very, very different. So it's it's kind of like it throws this whole framework up in the air because these rules don't even apply anymore. So I think for women and men, it can look very different because the patriarchy, capitalism, Christianity, self-healing, they assign very gendered roles. And so even throwing out gender, that's a great way to disrupt the patriarchy. That's a great way to disrupt the system because if we don't have strict gender roles, then we're breaking out of that formula. But for some people, that is really, really hard to even accept. It's really hard to go down that pathway. So just starting with where we are, um, if you are a woman, one of the best things that you can do to step out of these very rigid, oppressive systems is to stop centering men in your life. And that feels like a really big statement. But when we think about a woman's life, her personhood, her selfhood, her identity is usually in relationship to a man and as a secondary character in a man's life or a man's narrative. So she's a wife or she's a mother or a daughter or a sister. She has a role. But if you are a woman who is married, maybe happily so, maybe has a family, that's great. That's celebrated. It's just that is your life centered on your male partner? Is your day centered on that person? Are your actions centered on that person? Is your ability to move through the world centered on that person? I can't tell you how many friends I know 
who are happily married, they're, they're doing great, but they can't make any independent choices because they have to check it through their husband first. They can't make any financial decisions because they have to check it through their partner first. They can't make decisions about their body, about really anything about them without running it past their husband first. And this kind of programming that you have to check to someone outside of yourself, and usually a man, that's got to go. And that's a really hard shift when your whole life you're told that that's sort of the way to do things and that secures your survival and your safety in the world. Because these same oppressive systems that keep us running around wild, they also reinforce that men are unsafe and they also reinforce that men are the protectors, but they're protecting us against other men. It's very confusing because like you need to be partnered. You need to be with a with a male partner to be protected, but your greatest threat to your survival is actually your husband or your boyfriend or your dad or your brother or some faceless man on the street that's going to attack you. So it's very confusing for women. It leaves them in these suspended places where where we really have to give over our selfhood, our personhood to our spouse for survival, but that survival and safety is also our greatest threat. And I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but just go ahead and look up statistics in the local area where you live about violence and mass shootings, about domestic violence, and see what's going on in your community. Because what's happening in Utah is the story that there's a lot of male violence, there's a lot of male anger, but there's a lot of women who are so confused and don't have an identity that they're giving all of their power, all of their choices away to their abusers and to an oppressive system. So when you decenter men from your life, you start taking back your identity. You start taking back your personhood. And that really is a pathway to sovereignty and power in self. And I would say if you are a man in this system, it's it's robbing you as well. It's not maybe as loud of an oppressor and abusive as it is toward women because you're not taking the brunt of it, but you're abandoning yourself and you're abandoning your values to climb the ladder. You're saying, I will abandon these parts of myself and my family and the people that I love so that I can keep playing this game. And it starts when you turn off your feelings. So if you identify as a man and you're not seeking out ways to understand emotional intelligence and you're still using really negative language about, oh, don't be so emotional or misogynistic tone or really putting intellect above emotion, really take a deep dive into why you think that way and why you're replaying 
that narrative and believing that because you are so much weaker when you are not attached to your emotions, when you are not attached to your feelings. And there's a reason why you're removed from that. It's so that you don't have to feel the damage of your actions when you betray yourself and when you betray those that you love to climb these ladders, these corporate ladders, these patriarchal ladder structures to try to gain power. You're actually harming all of the people around you when you do that. And um, it starts, of course, with harming the self. And so while men and women have a really different task in breaking this down, it's really important that we each do our part. And if you are one of the brave faces of somebody who is not participating in gender identities, I just really want to praise and uplift you and thank you for your bravery and helping the rest of us see how how much we are being harmed in gender structures and how that is being used as ways to oppress us every single day and that we're doing it to ourselves the more that we become identity attached in gender. What I'm interested in and what I hope that we can get to as a community is getting to know ourselves as an individual so that we can show up in community better. And I really learned this through the Clifton Strengths. My number one strength is connectedness. And that means that I weave a lot of ideas together and I can I can see how things relate to each other. And so sometimes I take these really big ideas and in my head, they all make sense and I can pull those threads and create the beautiful tapestry. But I understand that it can be exhausting for people or they can't seem to find the ways that I'm relating this information together. But when we show up in a group, we need to know and have language and have uh, confidence in what we can bring to the table. Because if there's one thing about being a part of a community, it's that everybody has a role and everybody's important and your experience matters. It doesn't, there is no hierarchy. There's no person that's doing a greater or more important job than another because we need everybody's participation and we need everybody's perspective. And that's the kind of collective consciousness that I think that we're moving toward to break down the systemic oppression, to break down this individualistic strive to the top, climb every ladder, power hungry place. It's actually just admitting that we don't have to do or be everything, but if we're really good at the thing that is our talent, that is our strength, that is our gift, and if we can learn how to access that within ourselves and then share it freely, which means really trusting those around us and giving of ourselves. If we can all live in that space, then we can break free from these systems because what throws off the patriarchal system of all of this 
religious capitalism, self-healing journey stuff is when you show up with a need in community and the community comes together to help you solve it. And I like to think of this in a very simplistic way, like a potluck. If you go to a potluck and you're in charge of one dish and you show up to the potluck and you've got a feast, you only brought one dish, but yet there's more food than you could ever think of eating. And there's varieties that you've never even knew existed and recipes that you've never made before. And you didn't have to buy all that food to try it. And you didn't have to know all of those family recipes or, you know, grow the food, put it together. You didn't have to do all of that. All you had to do was bring your one dish and you experienced a feast. And I think that's what the community experience can do. And it can really radicalize what we're experiencing because the problems that seem really big to me are really simple and easy for a lot of other people. And the things that I know how to do really well might seem really hard and big and confusing for other people. But when we live in this separateness, then we forget that it's really easy for other people to help us solve our problems. And the way that you live in a community outside of all of these structures is you actually create it. You start inviting your friends and family into your life or the people that you trust. You start showing up for them when they need help. And you start inviting them to help you when you need help. And I've really, really, really been trying to do this, this mutual aid thing. I've really been trying to do it lately where I'm asking people for help because I do believe that the answers that I need are outside of myself and that several eyes are better than just my eyes. And I know that through community, we can solve a lot of things that the structures that keep us oppressed systemically do not want us doing. Even as simple as navigating what to do in these financial crises, the housing crisis, people are coming up with creative ways. They're living together. They're going back to multi-generational lifestyle. And they're realizing like, oh, it does really help when more people can cook dinner and more people can watch the children and help out with running errands. Oh, there was benefit to this all along, but we were sold this lie that we all need to live in our own apartments and have our own space and pay our own separate rent and have our own real estate. We're told all of these things will actualize us and will make us happy and it'll be the American dream when in truth it's not because what we're missing is each other. And when we're being isolated and oppressed, we take things really personally because it feels like, gosh, it's my fault I'm in this situation. And while your neighbor might have 
you know, a different looking situation, they're probably feeling the same thing. Gosh, I, I put myself here, you know, I'm, I really made some choices that got me in this bind. But the truth is that everybody's feeling that way because that is how all of these big, huge systems that are a part of the patriarchy want you to feel so that you keep going around in your hamster wheel on the individual path, exhausting yourself. So anyway, if you're here listening, if you're following along, the real message of these two episodes is to really rethink all of these systems that run your life and that take all your time and all of your problems that you're just trying so hard to find solutions to. Think about community solutions. Think about mutual aid. Think about yourself in the way that this is how I show up as my confident self. This is what I'm good at. This is what I can offer to people. Because when you think about showing up in community, you will have to contribute. But being yourself is enough. You don't have to stretch that far. You just have to show up as you. The harder part of that is going to be giving other people access to your life and asking for help when you need it. But that's kind of what we need to do to get ourselves out of this mess that we've created is leaning on each other and not the systems to have our back, but leaning on each other. And that starts with simple things like even listening to this podcast, thinking about new ways of interacting in community. Thank you so much for your attention and for listening to this podcast. If you like it, please leave us a review. Please share it. And we will see you next time on 10 Talks Podcast. <laughs>